more than three years ago, Saturday Night Live poked fun at the confirmation hearing for Supreme Court Justice nominee Brett Kavanaugh. I'm here tonight because of a sham, a political con job orchestrated by the Clintons and George Soros and Kathy Griffin and Mr. Ronan Sinatra. Now, I am usually an optimist. I'm a keg is half full kind of guy. But as is often the case, beneath the jokes was a dead serious issue. Dr. Christine Blasey Ford had accused Kavanaugh of sexual assault. Ford was an especially credible witness. Dr. Ford, with what degree of certainty do you believe Brett Kavanaugh assaulted you? 100%. Kavanaugh was forceful in his response. I categorically and unequivocally de deny the allegation against me by Dr. Ford probably never know what happened, and the senators who voted on Kavanaugh's nomination had to make a decision with incomplete information. This challenge, making high-stakes decisions in the face of uncertainty, is one that we seem to be facing on a regular basis. From whether to prescribe unproven treatments during the pandemic, to how to deal with global climate change, we're essentially making bets on outcomes that aren't certain. And that leads us to ask, when it comes to making decisions, how much evidence is enough? Today, we're going to try to figure it out. Welcome to I Wrote This Podcast, the show in which we noodle our way through timely and interesting issues. I'm your host, Bob Neese. Thanks for joining in. How much evidence is enough? Today, we're going to boil that question down to its essence with the hope of gaining a bit more insight. Breaking this question down will also, hopefully, allow those of us who disagree on one question or another to better home in on why reasonable people might disagree. To keep things concrete and interesting, let's stick with the example of Supreme Court nominations. Let's start with something on which we'll probably all agree. If we knew for certain that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted Ford or anyone else, then most of us would consider him unfit to serve on the Supreme Court. The main question is, how much evidence of wrongdoing should be enough to stop someone from being appointed to the Supreme Court? Now, to get some insight into this question, let's engage in a thought experiment. Suppose that our job is to design a process for weeding out nominees that are not fit to serve. But remember, when a claim of unfitness arises, in the Kavanaugh case, a credible claim that he'd committed sexual assault, we won't know for sure what happened. In other words, we need to build a process that deals with uncertainty. Specifically, we need to create a rule about how to treat candidates based on how likely it is that they are unfit to serve. To do that, we will define something called the breakpoint probability. When the chance that a nominee is not fit falls below this breakpoint, we will assume that they are fit. But when the chance that the nominee is unfit exceeds the breakpoint, we will stop the nomination process. That is to say, we will treat them as if we know that they are not fit to serve. Once we set the breakpoint probability, all we need to know is which side of that threshold the chance of being unfit falls. This is important because we don't really need to be super specific about that probability. We just need to know whether it's greater than or less than the breakpoint probability. Okay, so how do we set this breakpoint probability? Well, it turns out that the breakpoint only depends on how we feel about making two kinds of errors, specifically how bad, in relative terms, making one type of error is compared to making the other kind. 
the first type of error is treating someone who isn't fit to serve as if they are. This is the two lax error. Every time you make this error, you are letting an unfit nominee slip through the process. The second type of error is treating someone who is fit to serve as if they're not. This is the too strict error. Every time you make this mistake, you are passing up a fit candidate because you're worried about letting the bad ones get through. As with many things, perfection is an impossible ideal. You can build a process that eliminates, or nearly so, either of the two errors. But part of the problem is that you can't eliminate both simultaneously, and that's because you rarely have enough evidence to truly know whether a candidate is or is not fit to serve. So, the breakpoint probability depends on how we feel about these types of errors, and it depends on these two types of errors in a very clear and specific way. Let's call the cost of incorrectly rejecting a fit candidate the too strict cost, and the cost of incorrectly accepting an unfit candidate the too lax cost. The breakpoint probability is the too strict cost divided by the sum of the too strict cost and the too lax cost. In other words, the breakpoint probability reflects how bad it is to pass up a fit candidate relative to the two errors combined, the error of passing up a fit candidate plus the error of letting an unfit candidate serve. I know this is hard to keep track of while listening to a podcast. In the show notes, you'll find a link to a page on our website that offers an online calculator, so you can take a look when you have time, if you are interested. Let's ponder whether this equation makes sense. In the numerator, we have the cost of making the too strict error, the cost of deeming a truly fit candidate to be unfit. In the denominator, we have that cost, plus the cost of making the too lax error, the cost of deeming a truly unfit candidate to be fit. Now, let's say that the cost of making the too strict mistake is very, very large compared to the cost of making the opposite error. When that's the case, the denominator is only a little bit bigger than the numerator, so the ratio is close to 1, and that means that the breakpoint probability is close to 1. The implication is that we will need a lot of evidence that the candidate is unfit to treat him as such. By the way, this is the situation in most criminal trials. People generally feel that it's a lot worse to accidentally convict an innocent person than to incorrectly acquit a guilty one. That's why jurors are instructed to determine whether someone is guilty by using the beyond a reasonable doubt threshold. Now, suppose the reverse is true. The cost of making the too lax error is much larger than making the too strict error. In this case, the numerator is very small compared to the denominator, and the breakpoint probability drops. And when the two costs are identical, well, then the denominator is twice as big as the numerator, and the breakpoint probability is 50%. Now, let's get back to the Kavanaugh nomination. Take a moment to consider which error is greater, letting an unfit Kavanaugh serve on the highest court in the land, or denying a fit Kavanaugh a seat on that court. If we think these two costs are comparable, the breakpoint probability is 50%. If, after listening to the testimony, you think it's as likely as not that Kavanaugh did something that makes him unfit to serve, that's just enough evidence to deny him the appointment. But if you think the greater error is to allow an unfit candidate to serve on the Supreme Court, the breakpoint probability drops below 50%, and the bigger the difference between the cost of these two errors, the lower the breakpoint probability drops. So, what do I think about the Kavanaugh nomination? For me, the errors aren't equal. For me, it's a lot worse to allow an unfit candidate to serve than to deny a fit one from serving. Supreme Court justices have a lifetime appointment, and the decisions they make can have an enormous impact on the country. Making this kind of mistake seems a lot more costly than erroneously withholding the job from someone who is actually fit for it. I still don't know what happened between Kavanaugh and Blasey Ford, but after the dust settled, including how Kavanaugh handled tough questioning, I felt there was at least a 20% chance that he's not fit enough to serve. 
Given my lower breakpoint probability, which is well below 20%, I think there was ample evidence to withhold the appointment from Brett Kavanaugh. But that's just me, and that's kind of the point. You may feel differently about the relative costs of these two errors. In other words, your breakpoint probability might be different than mine. Or, you might have the same breakpoint probability but simply find the evidence less compelling than I did. But here's the thing, the approach we've laid out today, discussing the relative costs of two kinds of errors, calculating the breakpoint probability, and then trying to understand whether, given the evidence, the chance that a candidate is unfit falls above or below that breakpoint probability. All of that holds out the hope that the nature and tenor of our disagreements will change. It leads us to ask, do our breakpoint probabilities differ? If so, what are the factors that lead to that difference? Or do we roughly agree on the breakpoint probability but disagree on where the current state of information puts the probability relative to that breakpoint? It's also useful to note that this same type of thinking applies anytime you have to pick between two courses of action when there is one key uncertainty. The breakpoint probability for that uncertain event is directly related to the two mistakes you can make about that event. The math remains exactly the same. In my experience, identifying the specifics around where we disagree almost always identifies areas in which we agree, and issues or factors that we may have overlooked or failed to fully appreciate. I urge you to give it a try. You may be surprised about how it changes the nature of the discussions we all need to have. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. That really helps get the show noticed. Also, be sure to subscribe to I Wrote This Podcast wherever you download your podcasts. If you have a comment or a question about anything you've heard today, or if you have a suggestion for a future topic, please send us a note at I Wrote This Podcast. All one word at thatradioshow.com. That email address one more time is I Wrote This Podcast. All one word at thatradioshow.com. Oh, and one more thing, if this podcast sounds a little funny, that's because it's also an experiment. All of the audio for my voice was generated using AI technology. Hopefully the show will sound different and better as the tech improves and as I improve at using it. I'm Bob Meese, hoping you have an amazing day. We'll get together again soon. Music